The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode today. Carly is amazing. And we definitely talk about how the third person you date might be the charm. And you'll see how she kind of gets to that journey and what she needs to learn before that. And so I'm really excited for you to hear everything that she has to say. She's very smart and her business is incredible. And I've been using all of the Beekeepers Naturals products ever since and haven't been sick. So there's something there for sure. I recorded last week's episode before Thanksgiving. So I didn't get to actually tell you how Thanksgiving was. And I hope that this brings you a little laughter into your day today. I fell down the stairs at Stephen's parents' house on Thanksgiving. I am sorry, this is a little gross, but like I'm just being honest with you guys because I always am. I my stomach was killing from whatever I had eaten that day. It was like a combination of, you know, we had like a shrimp appetizer and then we had turkey and then you don't need to know. And so I had to run upstairs and go to the bathroom. And I don't know if you've ever been on the toilet so long that your foot falls falls asleep, but it's a very real sensation. It is so crazy. And like my foot fell asleep. But as you can imagine, like I didn't want anyone to think that I was gone for too long. Like you don't want people to start being like, where's Lindsay? And like noticing. And I knew I had to get back. Like everyone's sitting at the table and the stairs leads into the table, right? So like imagine that everyone's sitting on the table and I now am like about to walk down the stairs to go sit back with my family, Stephen's family, you know? And I take a step. And I should have not like I knew my foot fell had fallen asleep, but I was like, whatever. I can control it. Like I'm a I'm a functioning human. Nope. I try to walk with my foot that has fallen asleep and I slip down, like land on my tailbone so hard and like on my hand, I still have a mark from it. And it is so embarrassing. And his family is like, oh my God, are you okay? It's like his cousins, like his like not like his uncle, like so awkward. They're like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And like, totally. That's so funny. It was mortifying. It did really hurt, but I had to pretend that it didn't. You know, you've been there. I was actually telling a story recently. I was once on a date with a guy and he was like definitely trying to impress me. It was a date, you know, it was a first date. And we are like standing at the crosswalk waiting to cross whatever. And he kind of like inches, like inches out a little too much. This biker comes out of nowhere and crashes into my date. And it's, it was so awkward. And he was definitely in the most pain of all time. But you know you've been in a situation before where you just cannot act like you are hurt in any way. Like, And he was just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I could tell he just wanted to cry. And it was so horrible. And I've been in that situation so many times. I'll tell you two other times while we're at it. When I was in high school, I was dating my high school boyfriend, but we were like early on, early stages. And we were with all of our friends. And I accidentally slammed my finger into a door in his basement 
but like everyone was around. We were all playing beer pong. I could not react. When I tell you my finger was black like an hour later, it was the most pain I've ever been in and I couldn't react. It was so awful and terrible and it was so horrible. And then the last time that this happened to me, I can't believe I'm taking up a solo talking about this, but like we're having fun, I hope was when I was in Aspen for a friend's wedding and we were on like a wedding bike ride and it was a seven mile bike ride. It was pretty intense, but it was like all downhill. So it was fine. I true to form, like took out my phone on this bike ride to like take a picture of the scenery, like a fucking idiot. And I went like straight down scraped up my entire leg, my arm, my hand to the point where I still have the marks today. And I was in front of the entire wedding and I didn't want to make the wedding about me. So I was just like, oh yeah, I'm fine. Guys, tears were flying out of my eyes. Like I I didn't even want to cry. Tears were flying. It was like a bodily reaction. It was so bad. I was bleeding everywhere. We got to like the tavern at the end of the ride and they had one band-aid, one band-aid in their first aid kit. I'm literally standing there with like napkins all over my body, trying to play it cool so that these people getting married aren't like concerned about me. I had never been so hurt in my life to this day. I've never had like an accident like that. It was so bad. Anyway, this is why it's creepy if guys don't announce that they're about to come. A transition for the books. Um, we did a poll question about the poll question about this the other day. And it was like 50 50 that people thought that it was normal. If a guy doesn't say when he's about to come, we don't ask for much as women. We really don't, you know, sometimes we're really generous in that we have sex with men. And when we do, again, we don't ask for much. It is the bare minimum for a man to give a heads up when he's about to come, whether you're wearing a condom or not, or you're on birth control or not, it doesn't matter. It's called communication and a silent sex haver is fucking weird. Like, I'm sorry, that's a murderer. Like, unless they're shy or whatever, but even even then, I don't want to have sex with you if you're too shy to speak during our sex. Like, what are you doing? I think it's so fucking creepy if they don't announce that they're going to come. I was once having sex with this guy. We were using a condom and he came and he didn't tell me. And I'm sorry, but then I just look like a fucking idiot because... Obviously, once a guy comes, he stops. He ceases to be hard usually, right? Maybe not right away. And so I'm then continuing to try to have my orgasm, not knowing that he's already come and that it's over. We have to pack our stuff up and go home. Like a little courtesy would be nice. I think it's really fucking creepy. I think that women should announce it too. I mean, it's not like our cum's going to get them pregnant, but still like in good sex, there is good communication. And I think that that is so important. I really do how being too close with your family can hinder finding a partner. So this is a real thing. And I know a few people who are way too close with their family. And they, you know, in New York City, a lot, a lot of times your family is like, if you're from New York, if you're from like Westchester or Long Island, your parents like still live there. And a lot of these people will like go home on the weekends. And I'm sure you're hearing, you're listening to this being like, oh, I have friends who do that or I do that. And it's great to want to be with your family. It totally is. But it comes a certain point in time when you need to like enjoy your years of of youth. And like you're only going to be in your 20s once. You're only going to be in your 30s once. Like why are your family 
you can see them. You can see them once a week, whatever. But going home every weekend, like, no, it's it's too much. Or, you know, being too close with your family that like you are telling them every single thing about every single move that you make. You're telling them about your sex life. You're telling them about this. It is nice. And it's a blessing to be able to be that close with your family. Don't get me wrong. But it can also be really hard because our parents are judgmental. Whether you want to believe that or not, usually our parents have judgments. And I know people who have met someone that they really liked, loved, and a parent had a judgment call about them. And it got to this person's head and they broke up with them. And they have not found love since. So I think it's just like we are very impressionable, especially around our parents. Like we want them to love our partner and that's totally fair. But I think that we first have to nurture that relationship with this person on our own. We have to be able to have that foundation with a partner before we then bring them to the wolves, which are our parents um, and our families. And I think that that's really important. And, you know, you have to maintain your individuality when you're dating and when you are one with your family, when you're on vacation with your family all the time, when you're always like doing things with, you know, your brother to the point where people think you're dating, like it's a lot. And it can also be really intimidating to a person because like we want people to be close to their family and we want, you know, we want people to love their family. Of course, that's great. But sometimes it's a little too much. And there are some people that aren't that close with their family and maybe they feel bad about it because of how close you are. And then you're ruling out all those people to date because you're making them feel bad. You know what I'm saying? So I just think that it's really important to maintain a healthy amount of distance from your family, especially when you're single and dating. I'm going to round up on winter depression here. Uh, Winter depression is so real. I am in it right now. I immediately feel it once the cold comes because my skin gets horrible. I have literally no vitamin D in my entire body and I'm pale and I look like I was... I look like I'm having an allergic reaction in the winter at all times. Like my bags under my eyes are so prominent. I... I'm just like bloated because I'm eating because I need comfort food at all times because I'm freezing and it's just a bad combination. My skin is so dry. Like it's awful. I I think it's hard to have a cure for this. If, if you have the means to go to Florida, like that is really the cure. But if you can't, like I like to try to do things that make me feel good in this cold environment. So like when I go work out, on a freezing day, just for that one hour that I'm at that workout class, I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling productive. I'm feeling good. And then I bring that into my day. Um, Another cure for the winter blues is to volunteer. I know how amazing it can feel when you have some perspective in your life, but also when you're able to give to somebody who needs more than you. Always an amazing feeling. Obviously, hanging with your friends, having like a really good meal is such a cure. Cooking for yourself is amazing. Like just doing things with your hands. And, you know, I, I've been told when dealing with depression, like doing something with your hands every day. I know that sounds like silly, but it's like, even like, like drawing or just like chopping vegetables or making a yogurt bowl, like doing something with your hands every day kind of gets you a little bit out of your head. Maybe you're doing a puzzle you know, things like that. Um, And I think 
just let yourself be a little sad sometimes. Like I'm not saying to the point where it's dangerous and like you're that, you know, too depressed, obviously not ideal, but when you are sad, like watch that sad movie, let yourself have a moment, you know, but then like pick yourself back up and try to like be spontaneous, try to have a night out, you know, call your friends who are fun and make like be proactive in making those plans with friends, like have a Friendsgiving or, you know, a secret Santa party, whatever it is, try harder. You do have to make that extra effort to have plans over this time because it's so easy to sit on your couch and stay in your bed and do nothing because that's that's what's really fun for people especially people who are depressed and it's like a battle every day to try to to try to not just stay in your bed and if you do really want to go in your bed do one thing active that day like take a walk or go on a workout class and then get in bed you know but do like a little thing every every moment that you can anyway i really want you to listen to carly and i'm excited to hear your thoughts The holidays suck, man. I mean, they really do. And we're all feeling some sort of way. And for me, it's depression. It's I'm freezing. It's the cold. It's just, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And holidays are also one of the busiest and most stressful times of the year. Like, what do I get this person? What do I do? What I'm not being invited to anything. But the gift of therapy allowed me to enjoy the holidays for the first time in years, thanks to Talkspace. Talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry from the comfort of my phone, and I can reach out to my provider anytime. It's a little like having a mental health professional in my pocket, whether I'm stuck, you know, in a bad situation, working too much, traveling alone and feeling lonely. Taking care of my own mental health has never been easier. Seriously, therapy is a game changer for me. You've heard me talk about it so much. And I'm able to finally set healthy boundaries with my family, with you know people in my life. And I've noticed so much has improved with the help of therapy. I love that with Talkspace, you can easily sign up online and share text, videos, or voice messages, whatever is best for you that day. It's incredibly convenient to have my therapy sessions on the go. It's like, why do you have to work for your therapist? No, your therapist should be working for you. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off of your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapy today, you can go to Talkspace.com and make sure to use the code ACME to get $100 off of your first month and show your support for the show. That's code ACME at Talkspace.com. If you're feeling all of the holiday stress, you are certainly not alone. And that's why Next Evo has created their Stress CBD Complex Gummies, which are clinically proven to have four times better absorption than standard CBD. No other CBD brand can promise that, which is really, really amazing. I have so many friends that are obsessed with these CBD Complex Gummies. And I personally am not taking them, but what I am doing is using their CBD cream, which has been a game changer for my neck pain. It's so great. It's formulated to naturally absorb deep into the skin where you need the relief most. It has vitamin E and shea butter. Shea butter? Shea butter? I've never known how to pronounce that, but it is an amazing recovery cream that I could not recommend more. Plus, everybody loves their gummies. So I really think that you should try them if you want to know a little bit more. 
about why they work better than any other gummies. It's because they're scientifically formulated to deliver more CBD fast. It's the only brand clinically proven to deliver 30 times better absorption in the first 30 minutes. I mean, that's incredible. And that's what you need when you're feeling stressed. You want to immediately feel better. Nextevo is the only brand that combines a patented natural whole plant ashwagandha that's eight times more powerful than the regular ashwagandha. And that's pretty incredible. So it's going to help you with stress. You're going to help it's going to help you sleep better and it's fast acting which is crucial especially during this winter time. Get smarter CBD from Next Evo Naturals and get up to 25% off your subscription orders of $40 or more at nextevo.com/podcast using promo code acme. That's n e x t e v o.com/podcast use promo code acme. Hi, everyone. I'm Summer McKean, a content creator and best sister of the year. Hi, I'm her sister, Brie. I'm actually a 10-time winner of that award. Together, we're the hosts of the podcast, Wavy. Okay. Every Wednesday, we bring you into the fun, exciting, hopefully helpful, and mostly chaotic world of our sisterly chats about everything and anything. From living in a world of comparisons to boy drama to the life changes that feel really overwhelming, we got your back. So please support the show with a like and follow to keep up with all of our latest sister shenanigans. Get wavy on Wednesdays. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with the founder of Beekeepers Naturals, Carly Kramer. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. So is this the first time you've been introduced with your new last name? This is officially the first time. I think I was at a I was at a speaking event recently and I was going around and introducing myself as Carly Stein. And then they introduced me on stage as Carly Kramer. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> no yeah. Everyone thinks I'm like, don't know my own name. Right, and right. My identity. That's and so really I'm still funny. getting tripped up. I'm still uh-huh. getting used to it. Well, so as a female founder, and then I want to obviously back up and get into background and all that stuff. But how did you make the decision to change or to not change your last name? This was a really tricky one for me because I also, I'm sure everybody has challenges with this, but it's also like, this is my identity and I've worked hard for everything I have. And, you know, I'm so connected to my family. So giving all that up is, it was really scary for me. But then at the same time, I'm thinking about the future and the hyphenation thing is just kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. And I want to have the same last name as my kids. Right. And Oliver did have an opinion here. He was like, oh, of course, obviously it's your choice, but right. I would love for you to have my last name, which kind of made me like less likely to take his last name. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but I I do, I want to have this, I love the idea of like a family having all one name. And to be honest, I kind of like the, even though, I, I like the sound of the alliteration with Carly right. Kramer. Yeah. And it, it's really just that. It's really just having the same last name as my kids. But it was really tough. I mean, I remember when I changed, my team changed my Instagram because I'm 100 years old and don't know how to do anything. Mm-hmm. And immediately after they, they did that, I was like, can we change it back? We have to change it back. Uh-huh. This is a problem. And everyone was like, should we ignore her? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I love it. Okay, backing up a little bit. Carly, how old are you and where are you from? I'm 31. I'm from Toronto, Canada. Love it. Wait, I didn't realize you were younger than me. Like, because you just are so well put together. (laughs) Thank you. That's amazing. I also didn't realize I was younger than you because 
I assume you're really young because you look really young. That's so nice. <laughs> Wait, but you have done so much in your 31 years. I mean, I'm just 32. So like, yeah, you I'm know. not really younger. <laughs> <laughs> but still, that's really amazing. So tell us how you got started with Beekeepers Natural. And then I want to go right into relationship stuff. Yeah. So I started Beekeepers Natural. So I have an autoimmune condition. I was just like a kid that was always sick growing up, like always, always had a cold, always, yeah, just always run down, always missing school. And I couldn't find anything that really worked for me. And there was a lot of cool stuff in the natural sector, but I'm, you know, I need like empirical evidence for everything. And a lot of it was very woo woo and it just wasn't delivering on results. And so I was always really frustrated with the state of affairs with both the regular like health model and then also the wellness model. And that continued up into up into college. And when I was in college, I did a semester abroad and I got really sick, really severe tonsillitis. And I went to a pharmacy and was given propolis. And it was just the first time something worked for me. I became completely obsessed with propolis. I went down the research rabbit hole. If you put propolis into PubMed, there's like, you know, there's been a lot of studies on this stuff. So what it's is pretty, propolis? So propolis is a compound the bees make, totally different than honey. It's not a honey derivative. It's made from plant and tree resins and enzymes that the bees produce. And they literally use it as the immune system of the hive. So it's antifungal, antiviral, antibacterial, antimicrobial. The bees literally use it as their immune system for humans. It's a great way to support your immune health, to fight inflammation, to just give yourself a lot of antioxidants. It's a great thing for if you want to just kind of prevent getting sick and support your overall health. It's also really great to take if you are sick to help speed up the recovery. So I used it. I had this amazing experience. And then I read every study I could possibly find and was like, wow, this is legit. And when I came back to finish up college in Canada, where I'm from, I couldn't find it anywhere. So I started beekeeping. Everyone thought I was insane. Now it's like cute and hipster. But at the time, my friends were a little confused about uh -huh. this new hobby. And I became really obsessed with the bees. I, I learned about the critical role they play in our ecosystem, how they pollinate one third of our food supply. I learned about the other amazing things that they make from royal jelly to pollen to even honey going a little bit deeper there. And I learned about all of the healing applications. And so I started making all these products for myself and I had this dream of starting a company, but I graduated with debt and I was really lucky to have a job offer in finance out of school. So I took that job and I was, I was doing um, pharmaceutical research. So I was at a hedge fund doing pharmaceutical research. So I was still using my like research. I had the science slant. I was there for about 10 months and then 10 months in, I got recruited by Goldman and I joined them as a trader. And I was there for just over two years and had a great experience in a lot of ways and a really tough experience in a lot of ways. And I quit to try my hand at starting a company and haven't really looked back since. So, so awesome. What made your experience at Goldman great? What made it tough? It was great because it challenged me and I think it it pushed me to create structure and chaos. Like I was also the trading floor, at least when I was there, it was really chaotic. There were, you know, 300 people on the floor. I was one of 10 females. It was like a very aggressive place. Everything is like right now needed it yesterday. And I had to figure out, I had to create structure and all of that. And I think learning that skill set and just sort of being thrown into the fire there I created this kind of like work ethic and structure for myself that carries me today. But I had a really tough experience as well. I was on, and it's it's so, I don't want to 
push people away from going into finance, particularly women, because we need more women in that area. Right. And it's so different depending on what team you're on, depending on what division. It's, it's all so different. But I was on a tricky team. I was on a team where I was the only junior. I was with a lot of men who became really successful in the 80s and kind of like the old school Wall Street vibe. There was a lot of aggression towards juniors or rookies. And it was just really tough. I had a, I had a particularly tough situation when I started, when I started connecting with clients because I was the only young woman always. And so instantly, even if I had a real connection with somebody or they liked my ideas, anyone senior to me on my team was like, oh, it's because you've got boobs or something like Mm -hmm. that. It was just like very diminishing and it kind of made it impossible for me to do my job. And so there was just a lot of challenges around that. Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of like, I don't know. I just imagine like the only girl with like a bunch of like testosterone around you, like being hit on or just inappropriate interactions. Yeah. So I wouldn't, there was no hit on with anyone on my team. There were definitely inappropriate interactions and that they were harder on me in a lot of ways and more aggressive. Like I remember one time getting yelled at and someone being like, Oh, are you going to cry? Like just getting in my face saying that, which is so crazy. Like I, I run a company now. I have a large team. There is no, there's like nothing someone could do that would make me ever speak to them that way. Right. And so I think back on like how I was treated and just what was acceptable in that culture at that time. And it's really disgusting. Right. Um, I did have a few situations with clients where I was hit on and that was also really tricky to navigate because, you know, I was what, 24 years old, like, and all of my, all of my counterparts were like in their fifties. And so it was it was tricky in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But that also really helped me because now, especially in the fundraising environment, we're still in a situation where a lot of the venture capitalists are men. And again, that's changing, which is awesome. I'm always like thirsty for women on my cap table. Yeah. But I I feel like I really hold the line and demand respect in some of those areas. And I feel that some of those earlier challenges maybe kind of set the stage there for me. Yeah, totally. And then going back to you starting your own business, which is wildly successful and that's so awesome. You found this love of bees. You found out more about about bees and like what benefits we could, you know, have from them. What was like the first step? Like if if you're somebody, you know, listening to this and you want to start your own company, but like, I don't know, maybe you have debt from college or you have this or you have that, like, how do you even get to a point unless like you're someone who has the luxury of like getting help from your parents or whatever, you know, how do you start a company like that? Yeah. So I did not have any help from my parents and that's why I entered the workforce out of school. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. And like I said, I picked up some skills that helped me today, but the first step it's, it's really just putting yourself out there. So I started this company standing at farmer's markets even while towards the end of my time at Goldman, I was like going on weekends and standing at farmer's markets. And I was like so stressed that one of the guys I worked with, wives would see me and I'd like get in trouble somehow. But it's really putting yourself out there. And Google is your best friend. I didn't have any connections. I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, I did learn everything one can possibly learn about beekeeping and took that on and became completely obsessed with it. So I think step one really is find your passion. Don't start a business unless you're completely obsessed with solving the problem because it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And so you have to just be obsessed with the specific problem you want to solve. 
And then it's literally create the product, create the service, whatever it is, and get in front of your audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're building this company. You're like, you know, growing. At what point did you think about, oh, actually, maybe I want to date? Like, did you ever that was dip hard. into the dating world while you were on this like narrow-minded yeah. path? So I, so I had this like really interesting experience. And this is like a privileged experience, I guess. So while I was at Goldman, I was dating a guy who also was in finance, who was like generationally in finance, like loves that world. And we were this like young, really hungry couple. And I guess on paper presented well, and he's really great. He was really great. He is really great. But I, I felt very trapped. Like it was just not my life not what I wanted in any way. And it, it wasn't like some, you know, I say privilege because it wasn't like I had to figure out how to exit some horrific situation, but it was really tricky being in it. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you're like, I should be happy. I yeah. should love this. Like yeah. what's wrong with me? And then when I eventually did leave, I was like the villain. I was like tearing apart this perfect like fairy tale that someone else had kind of created for me. Mm. So that took up a lot of my time. <laughs> I kind of I kind of blew my life up when I left Goldman because I left this like job that was a on paper great job and I left this relationship that at was, the same time. You yeah. left both. Yeah. And so I was with I was with him for a few years and I was with him for like most of that period of my life. And you know, he was a little bit older. The expectation was like, we're going to get married. This is how our life's going to look. You're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I was just like, ah, I don't want any of that. And like, I think you've got the wrong girl here. Mm -hmm. But it was really hard to leave that. Was there a part of you that was like, I could leave Goldman and stay, but stay in this relationship? Like, how come it had to be both? Because it it was both. I wasn't happy with either. Mm hmm. I would have been a lot easier had I left. I mean, when I left Goldman, I went from this great life. I moved out of this beautiful apartment that I was sharing with this person and I moved on to my friend's couch. And I was in a two bedroom apartment with four people for the next two years where I slept on the couch. Adam Beezer, who was just a bridesman at my wedding, I slept on his couch. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to mention him. But it was it was really tricky. I kind of like ripped the bandaid off and let go of like everything that was comforting and secure all at once. And it was terrifying because it was really, it was hard for me to leave that relationship because it wasn't, I was, I was terrified that no one's ever going to love me that much. I was terrified that the problem is me and maybe I, this is like just how I am. And this is as good as it gets for me. And I, I couldn't at that time, I couldn't put my finger on what the problem was. And so I was like, maybe I'm just meant to be alone. And I'm all, I've always been in love with love. I mm -hmm. never wanted to be alone. So it was just like a scary, confusing situation. Looking back, I can see I really had nothing in common with that person. And I think we both wanted the same thing in like a moment. And there was that initial phase of like excitement and attraction. And he's an amazing person, but so not meant for me. Mm -hmm. And I am so not meant for him. Like we would not be happy. <laughs> yeah. I have to ask, when's your birthday? April 18th. Okay. So you're an Aries. Mm -hmm. What's, when's Oliver's again? Your He's husband? a Capricorn. Okay. And 
What was this guy's? Do you remember? I feel like he was he was a Leo, and I think okay. that Leo and Aries are supposed to be a really good match. I don't believe in like the matches. Yeah, it's like you have to know the rest of the chart to really know. Okay, because my two most serious exes, actually my three most serious exes, all are like signs that should get along with me if they're yeah, yeah, yeah. exes. So yeah, well, I feel like we actually have a whole episode on like why you should date a sign you're not compatible with because. Yeah my husband and I are technically not compatible. You and all of our signs are technically not compatible. Like, I really don't believe that that's a thing. It's yeah. like really the rest of the, and like the, the signs that they think that you're most compatible with, I think you're actually just like too similar to, or like, yeah, you know, it's just, it's not the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with my apartment. Me and Steven are just like, drooling over it. We think that everything is perfect. Finally, we just love how everything came together and we could not have done it without our pieces from Article. Article is the best ever furniture place. I mean, we have made an entire office thanks to Article. I'm like pointing, but you can't see. We have a rug from Article. We have a day bed from Article. We have a side table. We have a living room table, dining room table. I mean, we're just obsessed. We're really obsessed. And we didn't have to wait 10 years for it. It actually came like pretty quickly. And every single person that comes over compliments our article stuff first. They offer cozy beds, swanky headboards, and tons of lighting to help set the tone for your bedroom, for your living room, whatever it is. Article is the easiest way to make your space look beautiful. They combine the curation of a boutique furniture store with the comfort and simplicity of shopping online. They have a team of designers. So if you're like, I don't know where to start, they will help you. They're dedicated to a modern aesthetic of mid-century Scandinavian industrial and bohemian designs. Fast, affordable shipping is available across the US and Canada and is free on orders over $999. Articles offering our listeners 50% off of their first purchase of $100 or more. To claim visit article.com slash Acme and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. So you don't need to do anything. That's dot com slash Acme for $50 off of your first purchase of $100 or more. That's $50 off of your first purchase of $100 or more when you go to article.com slash Acme. You've heard me talk about how hard the winter is. The vitamin D literally tries its best to escape my body. And that's why it's just that much more important to remember to take my athletic greens every single day. I started taking it because I needed more greens in my life. And now I continue to take it because I need every single thing that's in it. With one scoop of athletic greens, which is delicious, by the way, you are absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I take it in the morning. Whatever I do, whether I work out or not, I still take my scoop of athletic greens before my workout and I just bring it into my day. I'm feeling good. It helps me digest. It helps me go to the bathroom more regularly. It's lifestyle friendly. So if you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, you can still have athletic greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar, 
no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and alertness. And it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. There's a reason that they have a bajillion reviews that are positive because it really is an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into this very cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day or end at ice if you're like me. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Trust me, you need this. And five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Acme. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay. So you had this realization, you left the relationship, you went on to pursue your passion. Mm -hmm. At what point did you then try to date again? So I like passively tried to date after that. My, I, I was not really able to kind of, I was really confused after that. And it was also, I lost a lot of friends in that situation because there were all these couple friends. Like we had a very manicured, comfortable life. And I just At like 24 already. It. it was I mean, that's why it was so fucked up because he was quite a bit older than me. How much older? He was five years older than me. I okay. mean, Oliver's five years older than me. So it's not. Yeah. But at that time, sure. it made a big difference. Uh -huh. And I think he was so supportive to me in so many ways, but just not what I was looking for and not. Like, it's, it's so funny because now I look and he's moved on. He is a family. He is like a beautiful family. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because had we ended up together, we would both be so miserable. Right. And yet that relationship, there were so many years where we were both like, did we make a mistake? What have we done? Like just running back to what's comfortable because you're so scared or you're hurt or whatever it is. But I really believe ultimately like what's meant for you doesn't miss you. So yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So you're passively dating other people. Yeah, I was passively dating. My friend made a joke at one point that like my idea of dating is just somebody kind of like running adjacent to me. So yeah. I wasn't like really making time for uh -huh. it. And then and then I met somebody who I made a lot of time for and got my heart just like completely smashed. What that was, was that? What was that like? I mean, it was amazing because I went from like a very comfortable relationship that towards the end didn't have a lot of passion to like the most passionate obsessed with each other. How did other. you meet this person? I met them at a party. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was an amazing relationship in a lot of ways. And it was like, just like one of those things where you're just on. And mm -hmm. I now feel like those, I guess I did actually have just on with Oliver, but I think it's like healthy to question the just on mm -hmm. when that happens and just, you know, be a little bit do you think it, like looking back, it was like a love bombing situation at all or? I think it probably was. I, I think on both sides, I think I probably did that to him too. But it was just really like obsessed with each other too much too soon. Can't live without each other. Like you're my soulmate. This is it. And we were probably in that state of like love bomb obsessed for probably a year. And then came like the jealousy and, you know, the fighting and the issues with 
my career and how I prioritize that and just all of these kind of other issues that I did not see coming. And I'm sure he has a laundry list of issues that I created too. But that was, that was really tricky. And I spent, I was in that relationship for two years. And then I think I spent probably like a full year on and off just like trying to get out of it. Yeah. And how old were you at this point? This is, I ended with that person like fully, fully ended a year before I met Oliver. So like 27? Yeah. Yeah. I met. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 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 And for someone who might be listening and like relate to the kind of jealousy or the fighting in that relationship, like what what were some signs that this wasn't something you can work through just because you liked each other, loved each other? I think there was, I think, okay. I think a lot of, we shared a lot of hobbies and interests. We had a lot of fun together. I don't think we had perfectly aligned values. I think the sort of like macro, like being caring, you know, we were aligned with, but the specifics of how you want to relate to other people, how you like to relate in the world, like something Oliver and I talk about is being an agitator. Like we're Mm -hmm. both agitators. We're both people that see something and like kind of want to fuck with it. And for people who aren't agitators, they're like, can you just sit down and like not cause a scene and holy fucking shit. Mm. And that was what this guy was. This guy Mm. was like, why, why do you care so much? Please just like cool it. And so little, little things like that. I hate that. (laughs) Like that would piss me off so much. Oh yeah. It made me insane. I didn't know there was like a name for that. I think it's possible Ollie and I made it up. But yeah. 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 <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. I, I dated someone that's totally like that. And I remember like fighting with them was like fighting with myself because oh like my God, I would yeah. like be like annoyed and they would be like, can you like not be annoyed? And like, I'm like, just be like, just be in this argument, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's really frustrating. And then so when you were then single again at 27, which is still very young. Yeah. But some people might hear this and be like, oh, it's not young. I want to be, you know, married with babies by 30, 27. There's only a few more years. Like, how did you feel like I'm I'm going to be okay? Like, okay. So first of all, to anybody who thinks they're old at 27, I promise you there is so much time. And at any age, I, so when I got out of that relationship, I had a friend say something to me that was really powerful because that relationship really rocked me. Like I was just, I was so bought into this idea that this is who I'm with. Like this is what was missing from everything else. And this is who I'm with. And like we're meant for each other. And so when ultimately we couldn't make it work, which is because we were completely misaligned and have different values and are very much not meant for each other. I was like, okay, I'm just out. Like I'm I'm done with boys. I'm done with this. This is too stressful. It's too painful. And one of my guy friends who is a very beautiful marriage and family, he was like, if your heart is open to love, doesn't matter what age you are. doesn't matter where you are. If you're, if you're open to love, it will come. Mm-hmm. Like the only times that people don't find love is when they've shut their heart to it in the world. And I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I believe that. <laughs> so yeah. that was kind of, I had to kind of like slowly reopen my heart, but I was really scared of being hurt. And it's really after that relationship ended, I was just like, I'm done. And I had to take space for a while and I would like go on dates here or there, but I would also do the thing that sucks that I hope no one else does. 
where I would go on a few dates and just like miss this person and then call them. And like we would do that to each other. And so we would kind of keep each other hooked a little bit, which is a really tricky space to be in because no one's going anywhere and everyone's feeling like shit all the time. So that happened for a while. And then I think I got to a point where I was just so sick of missing this person And I really sat down with myself and I was like, what is it that I'm missing? Because my life is full. Like I, you know, have great friendships. I have good connections with my family. Like what is it that I'm missing? And it was this, I was missing this like life that never existed with this person. This like hypothetical life of like what we could have been. That's a complete story because like we never could have been that we tried it we tried it for over a year and it didn't work so it's never going to work Mm -hmm. and that beautiful fantasy that I'm so attached to can very much exist but it can only exist if I let this person go right and so that was sort of the moment where I was like I have to do whatever I can to really let this go and I started really investing in myself with therapy with you know, reading certain books and, you know, all of the all of the things that could possibly sold to a person going through a breakup I bought. Yeah. And it worked. And you cut off contact or did you have to have a conversation being like, I can't speak yeah, to you anymore? I had to have a conversation where I was mm-hmm. like, you can't call me anymore. We can't do this anymore. And, you know, I think that was very hard. He was not at that stage yet when I did that. And so that in some ways made it harder because like the door was kind of open and I had to just like not go towards it. But I basically, I came to terms with the fact that if I keep going and reopening this door, I'm, I'm that, that is the only path to missing out on love. Like that's the only way I actually miss it. Yeah. And so, and I don't want to miss out. Like love's the best thing ever. So yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, so it I really, kind of do that. it really is like when one door fully closes mm-hmm with no ability to open that particular door is when the other door opens for real. I love that. Let's talk about Oliver. (laughs) So you met your husband on Hinge. So fun fact for people listening, Oliver was a guest on We Met at Acme. I want to say three years ago, we were just talking all about Dos Toros. Oliver and his brother founded Dos Toros. And I don't even know how we officially how like how we originally got connected, but Oliver had just gone through a breakup at that time where he was living with someone and they broke up, moved out, and now you guys are married. So the world is just a really funny place. <laughs> you matched with Oliver on Hinge. Mm-hmm. Who said what first? So we matched on Hinge. This was a time where I was kind of dating already sort of down the road dating a few other guys. And I have no idea what he said, but I didn't respond. (laughs) Why? I don't know. I was just, I was like seeing other guys I was excited about. Mm -hmm. It was just like, you know, I mean, I guess this is like the bad part of the apps that you don't necessarily give attention to the people you should. And, you you know, but I was distracted. I was like dating. I, I was like pretty into it dating one guy. And yeah, I just didn't respond to him. And then... I I did a thing where I, I don't know if like everyone does this, but I went through at one point and deleted all of my matches who I just wasn't talking to just to like clean it up and deleted him, which is no. hilarious because we're <laughs> married now, but um, deleted him. And then we rematched again 
like I, th- I think I was just swiping or like one of my friends was swiping. I don't know. Somehow um, I rematched with app? him on Hinge. Yeah. I didn't know you could do that after you deleted that Like, either. yeah. Yeah. So I fully, and like when we rematched, I fully didn't remember him at all. Uh-huh. And we rematched and he messaged me and he said something like you again or something like that. And I was like, mm, that's not that funny or interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was like you again. <laughs> and so didn't respond again. <laughs> And then he messaged me on Instagram and he sent me a very nice guy message. It was just, it was like, it was not creepy in the slightest. And, you know, I'm sure every girl listening is familiar with the creepy DMs. Right. It was what just made like it a, not creepy? I think he really referenced entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. He like went, he really leaned into that, how we're both entrepreneurs. And so I was like, oh, okay. Like he seems nice. And mm-hmm. and he also kind of guilt tripped me a bit. He was like, we've matched a few times. And I was like, did we? Did you know anything about him or you were just basing I this solely on like didn't looks know what and what he was. said? Yeah. Did, did not know a single thing about uh-huh. him. I actually thought, I don't know why I thought this, but there's this Mexican, there's this Mexican restaurant that used to exist in the West Village that had one location. For whatever reason, I thought that was his restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. So I knew nothing about him. The reason we matched in the first place, I do remember this because I, I remember looking at his profile and thinking it was like a little bit bro-y, mm-hmm. but he really liked Tim Urban and Tim Urban's blog, Wait But Why, is like my favorite thing ever. And I think that's why I matched with him. And mm-hmm. so there was that. And then he sent a nice guy message and I felt bad that I had not responded and been like a little cavalier there. And so I went for a drink with him and then I was like, wow, this is the coolest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's really cute. And so then you go out on this drink and then it's like you're off to the races or was so, there? Yeah. I think 27 year old me when I first met Oliver would have been off to the races. But I given my experience, I was like, wow, this guy is amazing. And I'm going to you know, see what happens because I don't know anything about him. And the last thing I need is like, to get hurt again. And, and Oliver is like, he go, he knows what he wants and he's like very efficient and kind of goes after it. And so he was pretty like focused on me. And I was kind of like, is this a love bomb message? Is this too familiar? Is yeah. this like, I was very scared of a situation similar to my ex. Well, how old were you at this point? 20... I met Oliver when I was 28, just about to turn 29. Okay. Okay. And so you were like, is he love bombing me? What's going on? How did you figure out that he was for real? Time and something that is kind of helpful for this. With my job, I have to travel a lot. And so there were multiple occasions where I was like gone for three weeks. And how Oliver was during those times was really, really sweet. Like just really interested in talking to me, really interested in what I was doing just genuine interest in what I'm thinking about and how I'm feeling. Yeah. And a lot of curiosity around things that sometimes can be threatening to guys. Like a big issue with my one of my exes was my career and how much I prioritize it. And at one point it got like a little bit competitive because when we started the relationship, he was very much more successful than me. And I mean, he is more successful than me, which is great. Like no problem with that. But I think as I started to kind of catch up, it changed the dynamic in his mind Mm -hmm. and was maybe a little bit more threatening to him. And so that was kind of, that was really tricky for me to navigate and 
having had that experience. It just sucks when you're really excited about something and the person you love and want to share it with is like sort of trying to kick it down. And so I experienced a lot of that around my career in a previous relationship. And with Oliver, it was just always like number one cheerleader. Yeah, as it should be. Yeah. I love that. And was he your type? Like, what was your type? And I hate that there there even is a thing that we say <laughs> is a type, but that is like a real thing. So I, so if you were to like line up my ex-boyfriends, there is no commonality. Like, really? I, I like, my type is like, even really, in personality. So personality, I guess it's like really witty, really smart, like playful, which mm-hmm. is pretty general. Right. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I've dated, I've dated like such different types of people. I think when I first, probably if I'm trying really hard to remember my impression of his hinge profile, there was something that I was like, oh, he seems kind of like, like a bro. Yeah. And so I maybe didn't dive in at the start because of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there I, I I like don't really have a type at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you guys start dating. At what point did you think, okay, I could marry this guy? Because he, it seems like, thought that from the beginning. <laughs> like pretty early into us dating, he told me it was it was on his birthday he was pretty drunk and he's like I have this vision of us moving to Berkeley and getting a dog and I was like I'm not even your fucking girlfriend yet yeah yeah and then the next morning I this was actually a big moment for me the next morning I was like you were really drunk last night like you said a lot of stuff don't worry about it like I was trying to kind of like give him an out because I think I was like a little bit freaked out by that And he grabbed my face and he's like, I was really drunk last night and I meant every single thing I said. And like that assertiveness, I was like, whoa. How, wait, how far into the, like how many months? This is like, I want to say two months in. Uh And like he had asked me to be his girlfriend and I said I wasn't ready for that. Why weren't you ready? I was so scared of getting hurt because Mm -hmm. of. But did you say that? Did you communicate that vulnerably? Yeah. I didn't. I was not vulnerable. I was just. I I mean, I wasn't, I did, I really don't like games. And so I was conscious of like, am I not being vulnerable or am I trying to play it cool? And so I think I did, I did let him know that I, you know, had a serious thing and that I really don't want to jump into anything and that anything with me, I need to just take it really slow and it doesn't mean I'm not into you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then at what point did things become like, you're saying I love you and you're talking about the future openly and you are. So too. there were like a, so many little moments where I was like, okay, I could, this person's fucking great. But I think I wasn't letting myself fully go there. Mm. And then COVID happened and forced us into a house together. So we had a really funny COVID experience. I was on a team at the very start of COVID I was on a team retreat. My my company, it's been paused because of COVID, but we're firing them back up. We do quarterly team retreats mm-hmm. and we pick different places. And, you know, the majority now of my employees are in the United States, but I still have some Canadian employees. And so how many employees do you have total? We have 38. That's awesome. Uh, That's yeah. That's really I've, cool. I have a really great team. I'm super lucky. But I was like, we were doing this, this winter retreat in Canada because mm-hmm. I really wanted to show the people in the US, Canada. And yeah people in Canada wanted to show them Canada. 
And so we had this really fun team retreat in Muskoka. This is literally at the very start of COVID. And then Oliver was going to fly and meet me in Toronto. And we were going to spend the weekend in Toronto, then fly back to New York together. The day, I think he actually changed his flight. He's like, this COVID stuff's getting pretty weird. I'm going to fly in a day early just in case. The day after he flew in, they closed the border. No. (laughs) And it was really like, I didn't want to stay with my family because I was still like, this is a very early relationship. Mm -hmm. And then also with COVID, I was like scared to stay with my family. My parents were freaking out. Everyone was freaking out. So I got an Airbnb cabin in the woods in Muskoka with Oliver. And we were there for three months. Oh my God. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. And so obviously within those three months, you start talking about future stuff. Like all of my walls broke down. Mm -hmm. I was, it was really great in a lot of ways. One, because I think early dating is so amazing, but there's so much distraction. There's so much like you meet each other's friends and you go out and there's drinking and there's this. Like just being with someone with literally nothing to do at a cabin in the woods I really got to know him and I was for whatever reason like ready to be vulnerable and I I was like I really like you and I'm really freaked out about it and he was like super patient with me and and just his I think his sureness allowed me to get there. Yeah. Like he was he was super ready when when we met and super sure of what he wants and just like really clear on what he wanted and that helped me get really clear on what I want. I love that. And so at that point, are you finally agreeing to be his girlfriend? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I agreed to be his girlfriend. I I think we, I think three months in, I said, I, three months into the cabin in the woods thing, not three months into dating, I said, I love you. But he had said it already. So <laughs> he, pretty early into us dating, he met me in LA because I was there for work and we went up to Joshua Tree. And he was like, I could tell he was about to say, I love you to me. And I was like, I really hate it when people say I love you too early. Oh my God, <laughs> you tortured him. I really, it sounds, it sounds so bad, but I was like very delicate in the way that I totally. handled everything. Yeah, And it was also, it was such a textbook situation of I was just like so scared of getting hurt. Yeah. So, so scared of getting hurt. Yeah. And I think he picked up on that too. Like he knew that I was in, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to go for it like that if, like he knew I was super into him and he could tell that I was just guarded and, right. you know, taking my time. But I also think that there's something to be said about the fact that you were the one that wanted it to go slower and you were the one easing mm-hmm. into it. Just because like, I do really believe in the traditional dynamic of like the man should love love the woman a tiny bit more. Mm-hmm. And it just sounds like you guys were on that speed and like the best way possible. Yeah. At what point were you like, if you said this, like, I'm ready to get engaged or do you, was it more like a surprise me? Like, I'm good now. It was more like a surprise me. I'm Mm -hmm. good now sort of thing. But we started once we kind of got, and then COVID sped it up too. Like that whole, it was also an interesting transition time because he had just sold his company. He went from being the busiest person in the world to having literally nothing to do. Yeah, I was like, zoom trying to manage my team and you know at that time we were direct to consumer there was like supply chain craziness every day was just a roller coaster and so we were both independently going through different things and so I think I think that allowed us to kind of lean on each other in like a really beautiful way and I think that's also 
the sign of you've met the right person because there's always crazy shit happening in life. Right. And in some relationships, it can become sort of melded with the dynamic. And in other relationships, each person sort of like grows independently and comes back together. Mm -hmm. And so we were doing a lot of that, a lot of like independently working on our stuff and then connecting over it at the end of the day. And that was just like a really beautiful dynamic. I love it. And it's so funny because I, I don't, I'm going to now, but I don't follow you on social media. I follow Oliver from like when we did this podcast back in the day. And I remember when he started posting you, I was like, this guy is fucking obsessed with his girlfriend. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like it. He is hyping her up left and right on social media. And I think it's so cute. I also don't know what that's really like because my husband's not on social media. Do you ever feel like you're like, okay, I'm cringing. Like you don't have to post like how gorgeous I am today or do you love it? (laughs) Kind of both. A Uh little bit of both. There's a little, he's, he is just like such a human golden retriever. Like he's just Uh so sweet. He is like so much love to give. And so for him, he's just like, it's like such an innocent, beautiful, it's not like the, you know, there's a lot of Instagram that's projections. For him, it's just like, huh, I just had the best day ever with a person I love. I'm going to put a yeah, picture out. Like, it's right. like so sweet. His Instagram is like a full Carly advertisement. It's a shrine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I find it really sweet. Yeah, it's, that's really Like his, his come from is like such a sweet, genuine. Right. Yeah. There's this TikTok trend and it's like how I know my boyfriend won't cheat or something. You need to do one with just like the screenshots of all the (laughs) posts that Oliver has put up of you guys. I love it. Okay, we're going to do some rapid fire poll questions. We do these on our Instagram story and they're just like fun. Basically, yes or no's. If your significant other's place is messy, can their habits change when you move in together? Yes or no? Yes. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that from experience or are you just... Yeah. And I also just think, I think like anyone can change this whole like people don't change thing. Mm-hmm. People don't change unless they really want to. But if they want to, they do. Yeah. You went on a second date with someone from a dating app. It's going well, but two times they referenced things that they thought you had talked about, but you hadn't. Not major details, but guessing it was a conversation from another date. Red flag or no big deal? Mm, that's a bit of a red flag. Just like people should keep track of their stuff. Yeah, I feel like I would definitely make that mistake. <laughs> if you live alone, is it gross to drink straight from a big bottle or carton? No. No? no? I live with someone and I do that. So. <laughs> I love it. Is it a red flag, a deal breaker, or no big deal if someone you're early dating, like less than three dates, keeps referencing or talking about sex? Yeah, I think so. Like really early on, you want someone to really get to know you. And if they're clearly just trying to have sex. It's right. Agreed. Significant other says that he is not voting because he doesn't like politics. Red flag or deal breaker? Oof, that'd be a deal breaker for me. I can't even vote in this country. And I'm like, Oliver, who you're voting for? Are you ready? Right, right. (laughs) I know. I was like, Stephen, did you vote today? (laughs) Um, A guy you dated for five months, two years ago, still follows you on Instagram, likes pictures and sometimes respond to stories. Every so often he unfollows you and then refollows you. Does that mean something? I mean, the unfollowing and refollowing is a little much. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even notice mm-hmm. if that was happening, but I'd actually, I'd probably block that person. That sounds like a lack of stability. Right. <laughs> is it possible for a girl and a guy to just be friends? Absolutely. My co-founder is my best friend ever. 
If your boyfriend kisses a stripper at a bachelor party, is that no big deal, red flag, or deal breaker? It's not a deal breaker, but it that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I feel like kissing is like worse than, I'd rather him get like five lap dances than kiss her. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, like, if it was like a full makeout, right. that would be a deal breaker. If, yeah. I'm picturing like the stripper giving a lap dance and then just like, a peck or right, something like that you right. can't really control right like what kind of kids are we talking about here? yeah how much small talk slash texting would you want prior to meeting for a first date a text every day leading up to the date b check in here and there or c no text until day of just confirming i think it's either a check-in or c mm-hmm. like i don't i don't i don't want a lot of communication before i know that like we've got a yeah vibe fair is it normal in a long-term relationship to sometimes feel like you don't have anything to say to one another, like at some dinners or car rides, periods of silence? I think so, but I think that's like a problem with you. I always think, I always have this thing, like if you're bored, you're boring. Like just mm-hmm. pick up a new hobby or like read something or do something different. Yeah. So what would you do if like you did have that moment of silence with Oliver? I'm sure we've had many moments of silence yeah. that I haven't even noticed. I think like moments of silence are like nice and comfortable. Right. I I actually love a good comfortable moment of silence. But if I really felt like I had nothing to say, I would probably like look at myself. Mm -hmm. Be like, why do I feel like I have nothing to say? Am I not learning things about the world around me? What do I care about right now? Or do I not want to share it with this person? And like, what's up with that? Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Love that. Carly, this is so much fun. Do you have a quote or piece of advice you can leave our listeners with? Piece of advice, because I think there's probably a lot of women who are in the dating world right now. What is meant for you will not miss you. I've stayed in so many relationships and given more time to things that just aren't working than I should have because I was so scared that I wouldn't find it or it wouldn't find me or whatever it was or I wasn't enough or whatever reasons you stay in these things for there really is someone for everyone and you just you just have to kind of blindly trust that and let yourself find it. Agreed. I feel like if anything is proof of that, it's the fact that you deleted Oliver like seven <laughs> times and you're married. Yeah. I love that. Where can everybody find you, follow you and get involved with Beekeepers Naturals? Yeah, our Instagram is beekeepers underscore naturals. My personal Instagram is carly.crammer. And you can check us out at beekeepersnaturals.com. We're sold at Target, CVS, Walgreens, Whole Foods. We love to hear from you guys. And if you want to learn more about bees, the cause or the products, check us out. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.